Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how you can launch something different. What if you've got Hmm. something different and you want to give it a try? What do you do? Yeah, I love this question. So this is a sort of an abstraction of a much more specific question I got inside of a Ditcherville live session last week or the week before. And uh, it's it's different. We're going to come at it from a different direction. So if the original question asker is listening, then it's not it, not the exact same answer. Uh, but this, I would characterize this when I say different or in this context, I feel like what we're talking about is you've got an idea, you see some kind of opportunity, you've got an idea for a product or a service, and it doesn't doesn't seem to fit in with your existing product ladder, your current positioning your marketing efforts, it's uh, your people, right? It could be a different audience, right? So, so let's talk, but you're like, but you're excited about it. You, you're like, I think this could be really cool. Maybe this is the beginning of a new focus for me in the next, you know, three to five years or something. It could be, it could be the start of something big, uh, but you're excited about it. You want to try it but you also don't want to blow a hole in the side of your current positioning or whatever your current business is. Uh, so let's, yeah, so let's talk about that. Yeah, I love this because it's, this is where the fear comes in, especially if you've already got a business that is, you know, producing reasonable revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't want to explode this if it's not going to work. Right. But until you try it, you don't know if it will work. Right, right. So... The que- immediately for me, the question becomes, how is it different and how different is it? Let's say, I'll use myself as an example. So when I was switching from FileMaker development to PHP, so I was doing FileMaker and I wanted to get into doing PHP, still coding, I was still going to have the same kind of clients more or less. So going to be doing the same kind of systems. There were going to be like workflow systems and that kind of thing. And it was what I usually refer to as a, a half pivot. It might not have even been, it was significant for me, mostly in a skilling up sense, but it, and it was a little bit of repositioning myself in people's minds as like, not just the FileMaker guy, but now I got to be the FileMaker PHP guy. And how am I going to do that? So there was some lifting to be done. There was some work to be done. But it was it was a pretty straight line from where I was to where I could see I wanted to be. And and it involved, I mean, I did sort of get lucky with with uh, getting asked to write a book. And it was, I specifically wanted the book to be about PHP and FileMaker. So it was like a real big 300-page business card that says, you know, me drawing a line in the sand, like this is, this is what I'm going to focus on for a while. But... You know, was it different? Yes, it was different, uh, but it wasn't very different, and it certainly wasn't for a completely different audience. That was that was for sure. Now contrast that with when I was doing mobile strategy consulting, and I started doing the hourly billing is nuts stuff, and that was completely different. So instead of, you know, instead of offering you know, advisory services to large companies who are thinking about taking the plunge into mobile. I was targeting people who were like me. So, so my, my target audience went from someone who was completely different than me to someone who was 
exactly like me or maybe me three years younger. So it was, uh, it, that was significant and that was a really hard. That took a lot of work. It took years to finally make that, that pivot, maybe three, I would say three or four years from the, the official beginning to the point in time where I had ramped down all of my mobile strategy clients. So yeah, so it was a busy time period. So, so I'm, I'm using those. You can, you can, of course, uh, broaden this if you want, but to me, those are the two endpoints of the range of differences, like where you're offering something slightly different to the same exact people, or you're offering something completely different to a completely different audience. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the challenges is when we have something new that we want to introduce, we don't always know what the end game is. Like we don't always fast forward far enough. I, well, I don't even want to say far enough because that implies judgment. Sometimes you just need to try something and it doesn't matter what the end game is yet. You just know that you need to try something. But when you, um, I think sometimes you try something and it goes so well that it expands your vision of what's possible. And sure. so I, I would say don't not try something because you're not sure how it fits in forever and ever if you've got really strong signals that this is a good next move for you. Right. So how would you go about getting those early signals without blurring or damaging your, your positioning for the business that is working? Well, I mean, there's a couple. Obviously, one is just organic, that maybe your clients that you're already happily serving say, you know, I have this problem that I'm not getting solved. Can you help me with that? Or do you know anybody who can solve this kind of problem? And you hear that on multiple occasions. But of course, you know, my favorite with this is going to be a do a listening tour. Yeah. 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 It's so it, especially if your audience is different, if it's not the audience that you've been serving, because you might just serve the same audience, but in a different way. But if you're changing, thinking of changing who your particular new thing is for, then you owe it to yourself and them to get some input on that. And I like doing listening tours when you have you know, enough of an idea that you can test it out and get feedback on price points. Um, I don't think you have to take it all the way into, okay, this is the design and this is what we're going to do, only because it's then harder to listen to people who don't agree with what you've produced, (laughs) you know, who think your baby's ugly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's that's a that is a little bit of a balance. So getting it to a point where the offer is clear enough that someone can react to it, and then start asking you good questions that you didn't think of. There, there's like a. I recently did this with a new thing. You know, it, it wasn't different. It wasn't positioned differently. It was just a different scope, productized service to fill a hole in my product ladder. And and I I actually came out of the gate with. I got feedback from one person who was you know really good avatar for a potential customer of this thing. Got really good feedback. Uh, but I didn't, it, and then I ran with that, and then I showed that to people, and I got a lot more questions than I should have. I, I over-engineered the initial description and scared off some people who would have been a good fit. So I was like, oh, right, so they're taking this to mean X, and I, I didn't, I see why, but that's not really what I meant. Um, so then I peered it way back, and I just waited 
for genuine FAQs to come in. So people would be like, so I made it vague enough that there were questions, but I made it specific enough that people at least knew what was on the table. Yes. Finding that balance is really is really critical. And right. the other thing that you can get people to tell you that I think is really interesting is they'll tell you what they see as competitors to your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did the um, the listening tour on Solos Women, I got a list of other things that they had tried and had either worked or failed for them. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you had said, oh, do you know what those are? I would have said, well, I know this one and this one. I had a much fuller list mm-hmm. when I was done. And it was so fun then going to those websites and looking to see, all right, how do they sell this? What's their message? Um, how is it different? Um, how is it similar to what I would do? Is it, you know, is there something that's different enough that I can create this new, this new space that doesn't compete directly? with these. I mean, and I could have competed directly with them, but what's the point? That already exists. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I wanted something that people weren't finding in the market at that moment. Right. But that there was demand for. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's We've got to have demand. Yeah. It's easy mm-hmm. to find something that's not out there, but sometimes there's yeah. a good reason. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, so, so the balancing act there is, is to say, okay, what is this idea that I'm excited about? Like, how clear is it to you? And how, how is it different? Let's say, let's say it's, let's say in this particular hypothetical example, it is for a different audience. So you've got that to me, that's a pretty heavy lift of the, you know, that's the heavy lifting end of the spectrum because you can't just go to your existing audience and, you know, you've got a few past clients or super fans or people who are highly engaged on your mailing list and you can just pull them aside and say, like, I've got an idea for a thing. It's for people that I think are like you, but I want to, you know, I'd love it if you could give me some feedback and, and kind of help design this thing a little bit. And that's not too hard. And it, I think that's the, the least risky end of the spectrum. You're not going to blow a hole in your business. You might cannibalize another product, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're, I think it's really becomes important when it's for a different audience. So when it is for a different audience, if someone was coming to me and said, oh, you know, I'm currently serving Fortune 500 CIO types uh, and I want to start selling business coaching services to software development firms, I'd be like, woof, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what the first thing I want to know is how many software development firm founders or owners can you w- would pick up the phone and say, hey, man, how's it going? Like, like how many of these people can you get in touch with without any problem? And if that number is zero, then it's like, okay, really? Because what, what I'm work, working my way up to is, you, is, like Rochelle said with the listening tour, you want to be able to start to have conversations with people in the target market so you can put the offer in front of them and test it with the minimum emotional time or money investment on your part. You don't want to spend a ton of time or money just to find out if there's any demand. Yes. Because then you're just going to be, then you're going to be looking for product market fit, which is backwards. <laughs> right? There is no, if you build it, it will come. Yeah. That's the, the, the word dream is in the title of the movie that quote comes from. Yeah. So, okay. So what do you do? So if someone says like, uh, yeah, I've got a, a strong network of people that are like that. Uh, a bunch of people I worked with in corporate, uh, all 
went to the wind when the company got acquired. And so now this sort of dandelion situation where 40 people who know that I'm an expert at this thing and we work together great are now at 40 different companies and uh, could easily, you know, I could easily get them on the phone, have drinks, you know, catch up with them. And, and then it, I'd be like, great, that's great. Yeah. Okay, clock. Right. So then I'll take a couple of minutes, maybe with, with anyone, anybody who's maybe got some copywriting skills or a marketer or some, some kind of business or somebody that's, they don't have to be in your target market, but they can just tell clear writing from unclear writing and draft up like, what is the thing? What is the, what is not, not maybe the new business. Like maybe this isn't going to be a whole new business out of the gate, even if it's successful, just craft one offer. And it could be as lightweight as an opt-in for an email list you're going to start. So the test is going to be, I'm going to write a five-day mini course, email mini course about this new subject for this new audience. And if I can't get people to sign up for that, then that's not a good, that's not a good mm-hmm. look. So what, what's it, what's this email course going to be about? What's it going to be called? What is the pain that it addresses? What are the words that I need to put on the page that are going to convince the right kind of person, the one that I want to help, give me their email address and let me into their inbox. And you can bounce that idea off of a coach or, you know, colleagues, anyone just be like, yeah, I understand what this is. It's not for me, but I understand what this is. And then you take that to your group of friends who are in the target market. And you say, does this make sense to you? Is this compelling? Do you have any questions when you read this? Do your eyebrows scrunch up like you don't understand? Or do your eyebrows go up in the air like, oh, cool. When is this going to be available? And, uh, and that's just, that's, that's a very, like, if you're going to quantify the time investment that I just described, how long do you think that that might take for someone? Oh, I don't know. A few hours. Yeah. That's what I think too. And maybe I'm underestimating it, but not a day. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be somebody that agonizes about the outreach, but I I would actually, there's one other thing I would suggest though, before that, potentially, it depends on the situation because you could do either, but that is to go to the market to understand the pain points before you design even even the simple five-day thing because you may not be on the right point. So why not get better information about what the pain points are up front and then choose which one best aligns with you know the thing that you want to do? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I was, my description was based on like, yes, I have a huge network of people in this space. I, I really familiar with them, but if you're not sure what the biggest pain, what's their up nights worried about, then absolutely. I mean, you know what, you know what the, the, my tacit assumption is that it would be impossible for me to be excited about a new idea without already knowing that. <laughs> so, so I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because you could be excited about it just because it's an activity that you're excited about and yeah. you're just looking for people to give you money to do it. Yeah. I, I have ideas like that all the time. And then like nobody else thinks they're a good idea. <laughs> I, so, I see. I, I, I cured myself of that <laughs> uh, the hard way. Well, in a, in a, in a funny way, it, it not funny, it, it can you can feel more confident in the first approach because you're like, oh, I have this idea, I have this vision, this is what it is. Okay, Joe, what do you think? What mm-hmm. could I do better? What's different? And so it, it's more comfortable, especially if you're used to being in the role of the advisor. Um, the harder thing 
uh, emotionally to do sometimes is to go to somebody who you don't really know and say, okay, I really need to understand your pain points, right? You have to find a way to have that conversation where you can have confidence and there's enough in it for the other person to be willing to talk to you about it. Right. There's finding that balance. And yeah, and if you're not normally like a relationship person, that can feel really weird. It can feel odd. But I would encourage you to push through that fear because in in the example you used, this person would be a coach. So you got to get really comfortable with having those conversations. But let's assume it's not coaching, that it's something else, Mm -hmm. right? For that same audience, you still, the the more comfortable you can get with having those open-ended conversations with people, the better you're going to be once you have your thing and you're selling it. Right. And, and so if we break that down a little bit, and I'm imagining the kind of worst case scenario when someone comes to me, it's like, uh, I've been doing, this is not a great example, but I've been doing customer support. I've been teaching myself how to code and now I want to go out there and be a coder or like, like consult about, uh, about this, you know, react or something that I've been supporting this terrible fanciful example but it's that kind of like where they're just really focused on this new skill that they've acquired and they really just want to mm-hmm. do it and get paid for it and uh, it could be a higher level thing it could be strategy it just could be you know it's just that they have this it's more about them and what they want to do how they want to spend their day than it is about the um the particular person so so this is the hardest version of experimenting with a new thing because step one if you want to have conversations with people about what their pain points is the first thing you have to do is identify what people so it's like who do you you know i'm sure we've talked about this on 100 episodes it's like before you can go on a listening tour you need to know who you want to talk to yeah yeah so so this becomes a straight up positioning exercise it's like well who do you want to help who's got the most buying power uh, for whom is this the most expensive problem? Uh, and then, you know, perhaps you get into like later on, you'll get into how you'd be different from the other alternatives. But, but just to have a listening tour, you need to know who you want to talk to because you need to, you need to, you know, pull out your hand, you know, pull your hand out of your pocket and say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Joe Blow. Can I talk to you about X? You got to, you're not going to just stand on a street corner people walking by <laughs> hopefully. right hopefully i mean I, I have heard of people doing product testing in line at starbucks but um i but you know maybe mass market stuff okay but if you're looking to do some kind of a new consulting direction or even just a new offer that you're going to test or like i said a mailing list or about something you're excited about like ai or whatever that it's like all right well who would be the ideal reader buyer customer whatever and maybe you come up with a list of six or seven and then you do a little bit of research and, and say like, oh, well, there's only 150 of these in the whole world. That's probably too small. Maybe not, but it, probably. And or there's 50 million that fall into this category. So that's probably too big, too blurry. And you want to find something that's sort of in a sweet spot that you and ideally that you have access to or you have friends that have access to friends or family and you can say hey i'm looking to talk to people who have these observable characteristics not people who want this or that but people who do this and i'd like to talk to them and then you have to come up with a reason this is finally getting back to where where you were leaving it where there's something in it for them to talk to you 
Mm-hmm. Like what's in it for me? Because if you're saying to your brother-in-law, hey, could you introduce me to that data scientist you used to work with? Your brother-in-law is going to say, yeah, happy to, but what should I tell him right. <laughs> you want to talk about? Because they don't want, you know, they trust you, but still they don't want to put their their ex-colleague in an awkward feeling position. Like it's a big favor and they're going to get yeah. a hard sell or something. So you, you need to solve that problem. Maybe you solve that problem with your friend, but generally speaking, uh, my generic my generic ask is like you know I'm looking to build something that serves a need that I think exists, but I don't want to I don't want to build a, a product or service for a problem that doesn't exist. I'm not I don't want to try and solve problems that don't exist. So I just wanted to verify what the problems are for people like you who would who I would love to help do their mm-hmm. thing, whether it's climate change or data science or whatever. Anyway, that turned into a big long positioning thing, but you gotta know who you're trying to reach out to. Like, yeah. who's this new thing for? Like, this different thing that you're coming up with. You have to have some sense of who it's for. And you can't say everyone or businesses or even small to medium businesses is a tough place to start. Well, you start with a premise. And, you know, both in my own listening tours and some that I've I've observed with clients, you can change it as you go. Like, when I was doing one listening tour, it was really interesting. Like, I would have this conversation. And about halfway through, I'm like, Oh yeah, no. This is a no. Like this is not in this is not a person who would who would buy this. And so, not because I pitched it and they said no, right. but I could tell. Like How this, could you tell? Um it was it, they were clues to their mindset. And okay. so for example, um I was testing something that had a pretty big price tag on it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, I would never spend that much money on something. So that's easy. Mm-hmm. And and so my comeback question would be, okay, but if it produced a value reliably 10 times what you paid were going to pay for it would you buy it well i'd have to know like i'd have to know that that was going to work exactly for me so yep. no <laughs> right? right right that would be an example of, and i would look at that and go no that's not a person who's going to look at something and say yes if i put in this work and i follow this thing that i'm going to get um at least 10 times what i paid for it back mm. um yeah that's that would not be my audience so your premise there now, which pieces of there's two pieces, at least two pieces of the premise that you could tweak for the, the remainder of the tour, let's say, would it be or was it that you're like, oh, I'm approaching, I realize now that I'm approaching the wrong kind of person, or you realize that the the thing that I want to offer needs to be rejiggered into something that is less uncertain of an outcome, probably a lower value outcome, and therefore a lower price. Like, uh, both. Like what? Oh, you tweaked both. Well, no, I, I actually, I, I didn't tweak both. You could tweak both. So I did not tweak the audience because the the person, the people who I knew were not, it was not for, mm-hmm. were it was their outlook. So what I would tweak is the sales copy. I see. Okay. Right, because there's they still fell into the uh, into the niche that I was looking at. But so to me, it was sales copy because those were people I was never going to convince. So what it did tell me is I should make sure that I am as concrete as I can be in the sales copy Mm -hmm. because it might shift somebody who's on the fence sort of thinking like this particular type of person. Mm. Okay. And then, yeah, and then the, the flip side as well. 
So how fully banked was this thing that you were putting in front of someone like, like in a scenario like that, what are the, what is, are you just talking through, are you, are you kind of walking through a pitch deck or you're not pitching, but just walking through some slides? Are you showing them a sales page? Well, let's talk about the different ways you can do it because there are different ways. And I haven't, I haven't done the pitch deck approach. I've done it. Um, the, the one I did for soloist women, I did early on, and I've said this before in the show, is I just didn't know if women in this space would want a woman-only option. Mm-hmm. Like, would that have appeal? So really what I was testing was woman-only option and a mastermind. Mm-hmm. And so the advantage of that is most people have in their head what a mastermind is. Yep. So I didn't have to do as much describing of that, right? It was more about who would be in the group. Right. Um, they they would ask, well, how long would this be? Yeah. Um, you know, so it was like those kinds of questions. So I and and I just so I just had an outline of that kind of stuff, and then I filled in that outline as I talked to people and as they gave me examples. I I, I tell you, the examples I love the most were the ones they didn't like. Mm-hmm. And I actually marketed against those, right? Perfect. And yeah, and it was really helpful. And there is a story that somebody told me about a, a you know competing quote unquote. They really aren't competing, but a competing program. And you know, I still tell that story today mm-hmm. because it's just so perfect for the kind of person that will actually participate, you know, buy and participate in a mastermind. Mm-hmm. But I've had clients where they've done. A completely different approach. They've done like the very beginning is what you were alluding to earlier is, you know, what is the problem? Like, let me understand more about the problems you face. And you're basically sitting there with a blank sheet of paper, but, you know, probably five questions that mm-hmm. you want to ask this person, right? right? Like, what's what are the problems? How have you tried to solve them? What has worked? What hasn't? I mean, kind of those kinds of questions. And I've also had clients who went into these more like the pitch deck idea without pitching. It's like, okay, this is what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more than what you described for your your new productized service, a little bit more than that. So it's enough so that they can really get a feel for it. And it's especially true when the person they're talking about is in a really critical position, like they're the the see something of organizations. So you know they're really busy and it's hard to get their time. So you want it really kind of locked and loaded to right. get that call. And you might only have 15 minutes. Right. So you're kind of putting a, a straw person up in front of them and saying, okay, uh, is the price high or low, um, is the period of time that this result would happen, is it too fast? I mean, do you trust that it could happen that fast or is it taking too long? Like you get them to critique something. And the thing is, a lot of people love to critique stuff that's already put together, (laughs) right? We do. It's so easy compared to brainstorming it with you or something. Yeah. Well, let me tell you why that won't work. Oh, tell me, tell me. Like I want to hear it. And, And the key in all of that is to be really open to not get defensive when they tell you your baby if they tell you their baby your baby is ugly right. and and the more constructive feedback they give you the bigger the gift yeah yeah i agree so wait wait let me just throw one caveat before you because okay. i just i had somebody's face in my head as i said that um sometimes you get somebody through no fault of your own who is just anti-everything mm-hmm. 
And I'm not saying don't listen to them because they may have some really good feedback, but don't overweight their feedback. Yeah. Just watch out. Just always remember when you're getting feedback from someone that the feedback is telling you something about them, not about you. Right. Um, it's, yeah. So just saying kind of put that heavy, heavy critical feedback in context. Yeah, there's certain, you want to talk to five, six, seven people. And if three of them say the same thing, then it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you see a pattern, but if you can kind of, you could almost, what's it called when you just throw away the highest and lowest? Um, you just like, like whoever's the most negative, throw that out. Whoever's the most positive, throw that out. And like the people that were kind of in the middle, you could imagine are going to be like the kind of people who are on the fence, interested, but not sure that are reading your sales page or whatever. Um, for me, depending on what you're trying to, air quotes, sell, whatever this new offer is, I... Depending on what it is, I you know if if it's a software thing, which is probably not our not our audience, then I could see putting together like a clickable, you know, no code clickable kind of interface that gives people the feel of what you know. And there's software packages out there that have you can make clickable prototypes very quickly. But for me, for me, it's eventually going to come down to words somewhere either. You know, ultimately, when you're selling this thing, it's either going to be words on a page, words coming out of your mouth, words in a webinar, words in a podcast, words in an ad. It's going to be words. You're not going to be selling with just like a picture. So if, if you are, it's going to have words in it. So for me, my favorite place to to get, like if, if I were on a listening tour type of thing, or I'm just like bouncing an idea off a few people informally, maybe in a small group or a mastermind, like, hey, could people take a look at this, see if I'm crazy or if it makes no sense or where you have questions. I'm always going Google Doc because it's clearly not done. So I don't like sending them to a page on my website that's designed to, you know, such as such as that is, because then it feels like it's done uh, to them. It can feel more yeah. done. I want it to look like, like wet clay. I want it to look like it's under construction. It's not even under construction. It's a blueprint. And really, because then there's nothing to focus on. There's no colors or layout or anything fancy to focus on except for what it says. So yeah. I would I would generally have the bare bones of the offer put together and, you know, to, in preparation for some kind of under the radar listening tour or just conversation, this feedback. You got to start having conversations around this new thing to get a sense of what the, 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 um, the traffic might be or the right language to use. So I love that. They can, they can see other people in there. They can see comments from other people and pile on and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing or like, oh, you're right. This is a good question. Um, and I just, I love, I love Google Docs for that sort of collaborative capability and the fact that it's, it's clearly a pr prototype's not really the right word, but it's clearly a work in progress. It's nothing definite. It's very easy for you to do. There's not a bunch of time wasted if you just throw it out. Uh, but yeah, that's I think that's that's a really low cost. That's one really low cost, real easy way to do it. And I think it's, it's well. There's been a there's effective. a side benefit in that one too, which is that you may find that people collaborate with each other mm -hmm. on your behalf, and sometimes those wind up being your first buyers. <laughs> 
right? Because yeah. you've enrolled them in this process and they get excited about it. And, and you know, assuming that, you know, you've picked a target of people who could be potential buyers for your thing, mm-hmm. you know, is awesome. It's like a pre-sell without right. selling. Right. Or at least spread the word because it's yeah. going to be so clearly positioned in their minds that the positioning is going to work. Yeah. You know, they get it and this it's for this kind of person and that, you know, maybe they don't need it, but they know someone who does. So and that actually that when you were saying that, I was like, oh, that's the dynamic that happens in the teardowns channel in Ditcherville where people will say, hey, the what, wait, the what channel? Teardowns. Oh, teardown. <laughs> OK, no, you said it really fast. I thought maybe it was like something from Game of Thrones that I missed. <laughs> The chaos ladder. Um, no, it's the yeah the Targaryen gold helmet. Uh. <laughs> I really thought that's what you said. Something like that. No, so people will have like um, some kind of new page, and it might be on their website. A lot of times it is on their website, a hidden page on their website. But other times it's a Google Doc or a, a slide deck, and they'll say, you know, uh, this is what this is for. This is who it's for, or this this is what I'm trying to do. And then could you, you know, could everybody just like go here and react to it? And then there'd be like a thread of discussion that happens around like, yeah, you know, I'm not having a Rolodex moment or uh, it seems this, this seems clever, but I don't understand what it means. There's like five ways to take it or um, I wasn't ready for the offer when it was too high up on the page. I wasn't convinced by it, you know, all of that kind of. Uh, all that kind of feedback. And if you can get a lot of it, then you can throw out the outliers and say like, well, everybody was having a problem with the name or mm-hmm. everybody was having a problem with the call to action. Like the call to action was like book a call and then you click on it and it goes straight to a payment form. And it was like, wait. Oh, no, no, no. Right? <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So everybody has the same like good or bad reaction to certain things. And you can be pretty confident that, that that's representative. And, it, and think of how safe this is because the context of this whole show to pull it back to the theme is that you've got a functioning business that's keeping the lights on and you're trying something that's out of out of character or out of your positioning or it's different and what here's so here's one of the other things that's going to happen in these conversations especially if it's a mastermind or a group of people who are friends with you or they just know you colleagues you're also going to get all the questions about why you're doing this you know, this doesn't, I, you know, I think of you as a mobile consultant, like, what are you doing talking about, you know, pricing and, and it's, and, and then you can start to kind of, uh, this is a side benefit, I think, but it's, it's kind of like, what's the through line from the old thing to the new thing? Why does it make sense? What is the, what's the story? And, you know, in anybody that's ever heard me guest on a podcast, pretty much every time they ask me that, and I have to tell it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that's an interesting piece that it's, a, it's like a side benefit and it helps with your, it will help you with the, if this does take off and you start to do more and more of it, it will help you with the eventual pivot to explain to past customers if you have, if, if it's getting serious and you're going to start letting people go or you're not going to renew contracts or if, uh, if you've just got a lot of colleagues who would potentially be good word of mouth for you for the new thing but they're just like like what are you doing like why are you leaving the file maker space or why are you leaving the mobile space like what is the motivation like their their brain wants to know that like people who are familiar with your old position are going to are going to be confused and as a side benefit having these conversations privately with small groups will help you kind of connect the dots between the old you and the new you in a way that 
makes people nod and say, oh, that makes sense. I can see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I think it's even worth, you know, once you're sure you're going to do this thing, it's even worth if you need to investing in like a copywriter to help you figure out how to better tell that story. Because, oh, it makes such a difference. It either, you know, stories are what we remember. It's what resonates. And that that through line is way more important than we usually think it is. Because we think, oh, they know me. Like, <laughs> They know me. Of course, I'm going to be good at doing this. But that story is what kind of sinks its teeth into them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, it takes away the confusion. You don't want any confusion. You know, like what's yeah. the motivation? Because it, it needs to be short, unless you're telling it on a podcast. Like sure. people just need to be able to have it make sense quickly. Right. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I think you've talked before about uh, about having kind of like knowing your story and like being able to tell it in the five second version, the five minute version, Mm -hmm. you know, the 50 minute version. God, nobody's going to listen to 50 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Well, yeah, actually I was thinking, um, uh, you know, like Oprah Winfrey on a, on a podcast, you know, somebody wants to hear her story or some Mm. Hollywood, you know, famous celebrity that people love to follow. Yeah. yeah. When they do the biopic on you. Yeah, exactly. So so have it ready for that when that happens. <laughs> cool. Okay. So what are, what are we saying? So this somebody is excited about trying something and they're afraid of damaging their existing business positioning. So the the advice is kind of, well, small tests with small groups, optimize for conversations, look for, you know, clarity around who it's for and ways to reach those people. And the harder it is to reach those people, the harder it's going to be to sell anything when you eventually put it together. So maybe, maybe, uh, play it on easy mode by picking target markets that you've got easy access to and then clarifying what is on offer. And I would, and I think I said this already, but I I would just come up with one single simple offer. One cl- yes. clear, crystal clear. It might be expensive. It might be free, but it needs to be crystal clear, and and not like uh, not like uh, oh, this whole business is gonna be like this, and I'm gonna have books and licensing pl- programs and coaching, and uh, don't worry about all that yet. Yeah, you know don't, that'll don't, just get you. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll keep you from getting started. Yeah, don't try and build your empire on paper. It's like just get the this core flagship initial offering into a Google Doc or some rough form that's good enough to get good feedback on and start to try and put it in front of people. And if you can't find people who are willing to give you a few minutes of their time to read this document, you're going to have a, a much harder time getting them to pull out their checkbook. Mm-hmm. So it's a good early indicator that, you know, maybe this is an air quotes good idea, but if you just don't have access to the market and you can't find a way to get access to the market, then, you know, maybe try something else. Yeah, I think there's a piece we, we've circled around, but we haven't said explicitly, which is, you know, does this new thing relate to your revolution? The one oh, that sure. you already have. Um, because the revolution, it might just be that this new idea is aligned with that, but it's a different audience, mm-hmm. or it's a subset of an audience, or it's a step up to getting a bigger audience. Um, versus there are also situations where this new thing, if it's successful, causes you to rethink your revolution. But the more, I think the more you can tie it to the revolution you're already working on, the easier it will be. Mm -hmm. 
to sell it, to align it with the other things that you're doing and to have it make sense in the minds of your potential buyers. Right. Yep. Yeah. That speaks to like, how different is it? And that's another, that's another point I thought of before we started recording, which is there's a, for folks who have multiple products and services, it's not just like hire me to do projects where I think most consultants start, they, they leave corporate or something and it's just, you know, rent me out by the hour to do this thing that I used to do at my job, or maybe I'll give mm-hmm. you a fixed price or a value-based price for it. But it's kind of like you do what you used to do at your job and like people either need that or they don't. When you get in it, at that stage, your positioning of your business and yourself, your one single offering, it's kind of hard to distinguish. It's kind of all the same thing. But once you do start having discrete, say products, productized services, or you know, specific offerings, you can position those, those actually, I think would be very helpful if those were individually had their own kind of positioning, their own specific offer, their own specific value proposition. You want it to make sense under your overall business umbrella, but it can be for segments of the overall audience of the, you know, if, if you're, you know, leading a revolution, there's people in, in, in the ranks that need different things, even though they're all in the same journey you know, say, oh, maybe a podcast workshop, maybe a writing workshop, maybe uh, one-on-one coaching, you know, there's like different things you can offer. And this, if this new thing that you're coming up with, isn't that different, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit your overall positioning too well. Maybe, maybe your overall positioning is a little bit too constraining. And the, this item is just um, not an outlier, but can be positioned adjacent or kind of a half pivot from your overall positioning. But to your point, it just needs to make sense to people because if, if they're coming to you and they're confused by anything, that's a problem. So you just want to come up with a way that it does make sense. So if it's, so if it's something that's super different and if it takes off, you probably will have to start a whole new business or kind of abandon your old positioning then just keep it under the radar until you start to get some evidence and get some data about how difficult it's going to be to reach the people you need to reach. And then, you know, if it solves their problems and how much they're, they're willing to pay for it and all the other things that come after that. Yeah. It's, I mean, some of this is based on, you know, experience, but I, I feel like the people that I've worked with, not that many do something so radically different that it makes no sense to anybody. Like they just 100% leave their old audience behind and have a 100% new audience. There's usually some bridge between the two. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's another way to think about it is just think about this new thing as a potential bridge and it might not work, Mm -hmm. right? But maybe it's for, you know, it helps you to get to the next thing that does work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like little experiments, yeah, I mean, don't worry. Like, do we even need to talk about perfectionism and all that stuff? Like, no. Yeah, just try it. It's not, you know, it's 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 almost definitely not going to work as is as it is in your brain. It's almost definitely yeah. not going to look like that after you talk to a few people. Yeah, it's going to look better. Right, and then better. <laughs> you're not only will you have other people, you know, engaged in this thing that you're trying to create, and they'll probably be some of your first buyers, but you get more engaged, like as you see that it it actually could work, you know, that you get some traction. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, right. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So I think I think 
we can stick a fork in it at this point. <gasps> you think? Yeah, do we I, I hope so before the um, uh, <laughs> the mowing machines come back. <laughs> Lawnmower man comes for us all. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's hovering just outside my window waiting. Yeah, I had a little garbage truck action, too. Oh, well. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe the AI can get it out of the background. We'll see. Cool. All right, folks. So that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye. Here he comes. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> <laughs>